I'm going to be talking to you the next week or two about, I'm going to, I'm going to kick off the topic today a little bit on the voice of God and, and following the voice of the Lord and talking to you a little bit about faith, but I believe where the Lord is taking this church in the next, I'm going to say within even the next one to three years, it's going to require a lot of faith. Like, like get out of the boat kind of faith. Like, that's a big vision for who we are. And we're going to, and as, as time comes, you'll hear things that we'll share with you, but I, I believe that it's going to require all of us to be in faith. And so this morning, I'm just going to kind of just crack the lid a little bit on this topic, but Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Now, as, before I read this, let's, let's, let's recap a couple things. Just hang there a second. Before this passage was the passage where, remember when Jesus was on the water and the storm was raging, and, and remember when Jesus was sleeping in the boat, right? It's not a trick question. He was sleeping, which is, is <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite passages because I think he teaches us so much in, a pass- in this passage about how to handle authority in challenging situations. You have to be able to rest in it. And I believe, and I've heard it said, and I believe it with all my heart, that you can't have authority in what you can't rest through. Have you ever been in a place where something's stealing your sleep? Literally, your sleep. And, and it's hard to have authority in that area until you can rest through it. And one of the things that I won't do is typically for me, if there's a topic or somebody I have to address, or there's even something I want to preach on, and I'm feeling restless in it, that restlessness... I don't feel like I have an authority to address it until I can have peace. So many times I'll have this, this great revelation of something and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to talk about that. And I'm restless. It's not because what I've received isn't true. It's because I'm still often receiving it. But, but many times we need to understand that we can never have faith over something that we can't sleep through. And Jesus was demonstrating this on the boat when he was, <laughs> he was dead asleep in the middle of the storm. And I really think that our picture of this is probably wrong. I think in our minds when Jesus came up and spoke to the sea and the waves and all that and the wind, I think that we think he was like, peace, be still. I don't think that's what he did personally. I think he was like half asleep. <sighs> peace, be still. I don't think that often it's about having to, rah! it's about authority. And Jesus was trying to demonstrate that his authority was rooted in his rest. Now, we have that story. Here we are. We're back on the sea again. And that's verse 22. Immediately, Jesus went and made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. On the other side, and while he, dis- while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was being hit by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them <laughs> walking on the lake. I love how casual it's like. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. They said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. 
Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, I love Peter. So tell me to come on the water. Come, he said. This is an interesting scripture. So they've just finished where Jesus fed the multitudes, did this amazing miracle. He says, boys, he said, tell you what, just go ahead and put your boat out. Go on out without me. I'll catch up with you. They're getting, they're once again, they're on the sea and they're getting hit by the waves and they're getting hit by the wind, and which makes me wonder why they didn't speak to it when they just learned that. But I think God was trying to teach them something else. And so they're out there and here comes Jesus walking on the water. And they said, they're freaking out. It's a ghost. And he says, it's me. And then Peter makes this interesting remark. He says, Lord, if it's, if it's you, say come. Now, I don't know how you guys think, but if I see something that I think is a ghost, my approach is probably not going to say, tell me to come and then I'll come. But there's something in this that I think we need to catch. Jesus spoke the words come to Peter and something resonated in his spirit. Because when Jesus says the words come, something happens. Jesus, uh, Peter had heard these words before. Peter was out fishing. You remember the story and he had no luck. And then Jesus came out and told him what to do. And he taught him this. And then he said, hey, guys, come follow after me. They dropped everything and they went after him. Why? Because when Jesus says the word come, life happens. The idea that we hear so many people say, I found Jesus. That's that's such a, a cute saying. It's so not true because you can't come to him unless he first calls to you. So truthfully, we've never found him. He's found you and you responded to him. And he says to you, come and you say, let's go. And so Peter had this interesting approach. He said, if that's Jesus on the water, I know that when he says the words come, I'll know it's him. I love that Jesus is in this process of putting them through the school of like supernatural ministry on the speed track. We saw in Matthew 8 where he was equipping them. He was letting them know that you have the authority to speak to the storm and it can stop. I believe that he was now empowering them and showing them that you can also walk through the middle of the storm. And you'll be okay if you keep your eyes on me. <laughs> there's, there's so much in this that is what I would call a, a prototype scripture. It's pointing to that they haven't come into this new covenant yet. And there are things that it's pointing to that we get to live in. They haven't come into that yet. Jesus was trying to teach them the importance of rest. Matthew 8 is really big. How many understand that in the old covenant, before the new covenant was created on the death of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, there was a day of rest? How many of you know, though, in the new covenant, it's a lifestyle of rest? This is really big, you get this. Because I feel like some people don't understand this and they burn it hard all the time. They're like, well, I've got to have one day of rest. You're doing it wrong. 
Jesus was trying to demonstrate that you can move in ministry and in authority actually from a place of rest. Watch this, guys. I'm sleeping, I'm good, peace be still. He was pointing to something that was coming. There was so much striving before this new covenant. You had to do this, you had to do this, you had to do this. There were so many do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And he was starting to reveal to them what was coming their way. Oh, you don't have to do all that. Just rest and speak to the storm. Some people like all the striving. I personally think it's a lot of work. <laughs> some people, some people, it's, it's so built into them when you try to set them free from that and you're trying, like, you don't have to. And it's like, it's ingrained in them to strive. Now, I, I don't, let me make it clear. I do believe that there is a being passionately engaged and active in the Lord but there's a difference between me trying to earn something and me being operating from what he's already given me. You still with me? And so it's in a lifestyle of rest that we have the greatest authority. Now, Jesus has taught them the power of rest and authority. And here he is again. He wants to teach them that not only do you have the authority to calm the storm, you also have the power to walk through it. So Peter gets out of the boat. <laughs> Peter, I say this often and I'll say it again. Peter gets a lot of grief for having a big mouth, but Peter is still one of my favorites because he's the guy that would get out of the boat. Peter's the guy that had an understanding of God's words, God's words having life. Peter's the one that when after this, we see where the most controversial sermon that Jesus ever preached that Immediately, a bunch of disciples walked off when he said, okay, here's the deal. You're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. This is a rather controversial sermon when they didn't know it was metaphorical. It's called communion for us. They didn't understand what he was saying to them. And the Bible says that a bunch of the disciples left. Actually, it says that all we know, it doesn't give clarity, but it says there was a big group. Jesus preaches his message, and then at the end, it says that a bunch of disciples left, and he turns to these guys that are left. And they said, this is really hard. And then Peter understands something, though. Peter says, I don't really get it, but where else would I go? That's the point we have to get to in our walk with the Lord. When you get to the point where you've experienced so much of the Lord, you get okay with not understanding everything. <laughs> Sometimes for you to experience the peace that surpasses understanding, you have to give up your right to understand. And people often want the peace and understanding. And sometimes you have to say, I'm okay without understanding. I would rather have the peace. And people want to know the answers to everything. One of the most freeing statements I have learned in leadership and church is, I don't know. Why did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> you should know. Nuh-uh. I, I come in and some weeks I've watched people get healed. And the very next week, the same person gets prayed for in the same spot. And they didn't get healed. Why did that happen? I don't know. 
I'm concerned with did they feel loved? I tell people that on the prayer and uh, prayer ministry all the time. So what if they don't get healed? Well, can you make sure they feel loved? When they leave from being prayed for? Yeah, yeah I can do that. You're gold. Love them. And so here he is. He's teaching. And he says to Peter, he says, come. I love it. So when Jesus speaks the word come, Peter's faith came alive. Like, like you have to understand what happened. Faith is by hearing and hearing is by the word of God. When the word of God spoke to Peter, come, his faith went. I'm going to talk to you maybe next week on how we grow our faith. Because I think it's really important we understand there's practical ways how we actually grow in faith. But one of them is by when Jesus speaks a word. I just had this revelation this morning, and, and it's, it's fresh. It hit me that when Jesus created, when, when God created the world, he spoke and it was created. That means that when he speaks a word into you, you understand that everything in the universe still responds to his word. And when he puts a word in you, and it's his word, and you speak it, it's not about who speaks the word, it's about the author of the word. There's no less power behind the words when you speak them than when he speaks them. You got to get this. The power is who authors the word. Not who speaks the word. When I speak his words, it is no different than when he speaks his words. And when you get a word from the Lord and you feel like everything in the world is coming against you to stop that word from happening, good news. It was his word that created the world. And when he speaks it and you speak it, the world will actually come into alignment because it responds to his word because it was birthed from his word. But that's for next week. Um, that was free in case you're in town for Christmas. He speaks to him. He says, come. And Peter's faith came alive. Jesus is really concerned about faith. He knows that we can't do what we need to do without faith. He even said to the disciples, he, he, he said to them, he said, when I come back, will I find faith? He was always worried about what would happen when he, he wanted to see faith. He knew we couldn't do it without faith. And sometimes what happens in church is, I feel like, how do I say this? I want to say this in the most honoring way possible. We can often, because people have done crazy stuff in the name of faith, we can water things down and say that we just want to have a, we'll call it a balanced message. Which is really just a safe message because there's fear rarely do I hear the term balanced used and it actually means balanced because balanced would mean the word the experiences the signs the wonders the miracles the teaching the evangelism everything that's a balance but often when people say that they've seen things done and they say well I was a part of a move and I saw crazy things done and then that was you know people that were all big in faith and we, we just want to have a really balanced word message. <laughs> I can't figure out that in Jesus right here when he's talking to Peter. He's like, get out of the boat. 
That's, that's not just a balanced, safe approach. Get out. I love Peter. Say, like, all right. The problem is, is if we create a theology that's in response to error, reaction to error usually produces error. Reaction to error will actually typically produce error also. We create create our view of God often based through experiences that have happened to us. I prayed for somebody that didn't get healed, so now I've got to figure out all these reasons why God doesn't heal. When actually in the Bible, there's never one place where Jesus prayed for someone and they didn't get healed. And so we try to make it work with our experience because it's easier. I, I, listen, sometimes it's hard. I pray for people and they don't get healed. And it's like, I mean, I go for it with all I got. And, and sometimes this hasn't happened. But it just fires me up even more. There's a justice that comes in me that says, if, I, if I've went through this, I want justice. And I believe that God will birth something out of it. And sometimes we water things down because of experiences that we've went through and we go for a more balanced approach when really it's a more fearful approach. Because often fear will masquerade as wisdom. But it's really just fear. Well, do you think that's wise? Well, what are you really going after here? Are you believing it is going to happen or it's not going to happen? Faith is offensive to the faithless. Because it demonstrates what they're lacking. Jesus didn't say, when I come back, I hope I find a well-balanced church. He didn't want to like, well, let's not go too far into the prophetic stuff and let's not go too far into that healing stuff. I just want well-balanced church. He said, when I come back, will I find a church that's filled with faith? Will I find a people that's filled with faith? People of tremendous faith, (laughs) they're not easy to live with. It's easier to operate around people that have low expectations. You guys are just afraid because you don't know where I'm going with it. It's way easier to operate around someone that's like, well, it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, he's still good, you know, and they're just like, yeah. It's the person that comes in like, he's going to heal people today. And they mean it, like they're passionately like going for the Lord. And we see this. You read about people, some of your great heroes in history. We get to read about them now after they're dead and gone. People didn't really like hanging out around them. Because they would walk in a room and they would immediately shake it up. They would walk in the room. We, we read stories of some of the heroes and uh, guys like Smith Wigglesworth. Not everyone really liked him. He didn't, he didn't come in like, well, all right, we're going to have a well-balanced worship service today because we don't, want to go, we don't want to go too deep for the new believers and we just want to keep it back. No, he came in like, listen, I'm going to bring heaven to this room. And I remember him saying, I, I remember some of the things I've read about Smith Wigglesworth and these guys, they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. 
But when they came, when he walked in a room, he was so filled with faith. He just had an understanding, if you didn't have faith, I'll stir up my own faith and we're fine. That bothered faithless people. It, it upset their church services. Bill Johnson makes a remark. He says, the amazing thing about unbelief is that it has the ability to fulfill its own expectations. Unbelief has the ability to fulfill its own expectations. Peter sees this figure on the water and they're all scared. And Peter says, if it's you, just say, come, I'll know. Why? Because he's the guy that said, when you speak words, they're life. I'll know it when you speak. You want to hear leadership 101 for a spirit-led church? <laughs> know his voice. Know his voice. Know his voice, church. Like if you want to, if you want to, if you want to thrive in a spirit-filled atmosphere, you have to know his voice. Because when things happen that are outside of your rule book, and you're like, I've never seen that before. You know how many times I'm in, almost weekly, I'm sitting up here, I'm worshiping the Lord, and I'm saying, Lord, speak. How do you want this to go? And I'm listening. Half the time, I've got different prophetic words. I've got worship going. I'm listening. I'm saying, Lord, I need to hear your voice. And when he speaks life, yeah. I feel it. In, I can, I feel it. Yeah. Peter knew. He said, Lord, just speak. He said, if you speak, I'll feel it. Yeah. And he said, Peter, come. He said, that's you. Yeah. I'm coming out. I was in the back room praying this morning and it hit me. Jesus sent him out to, a, he sent him out on the sea to wait. It was in the place of waiting that Peter walked on water. Ooh. Sometimes we don't like being in that place of waiting. And I love that Jesus sent them out. He didn't send them on a mission. He just said, go wait. Waiting is the worst sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, if we can all be real people this morning, waiting is hard. Sometimes when Jesus says, just put your boat out and wait, I'll be out there sometime. He didn't say when. They're probably like, the sun's going down. It said that he came out right before the sun came back up. They're just sitting there waiting. And then when he does come, it was not like they thought. They probably were going to think there's going to be a boat coming out. Here comes Jesus, the boat. Drop him off. We pick him up. We go. He sends them out into a place and he says, wait on me. And it's in the place where they're waiting on him. They don't know what else to do. They're just waiting that Peter gets to walk on water. Could it be that sometimes it's actually in the place of waiting that we experience some of the greatest things with him? Amen. It's in the place of waiting. Yeah. Good, John. Good, John. Oh, man, it's not popular, right? I mean, <laughs> I remember when we first started leading this church, the Lord told me, he said, just enjoy things that you can do now that you'll never be able to do again. Because you, you come into a position of wanting, you know, your vision. Whoa, let's get my vision. Let's go. Let's fill this place. Let's build new buildings. And all that will happen. But the Lord's like, you'll miss everything that's happening now if you're so stuck looking down there. And so we just said, Lord, we're going to enjoy where we're at. We have faith for more, but we're not going to miss the now. 
Faith is so unique. Faith is produced from walking in surrender to Jesus. But faith also produces authority to walk in the storm. It's in the place of rest where we're, com- we're completely surrendered. Do you understand that it's in the place of resting that you're most vulnerable? When you're asleep, you're the most vulnerable. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is trying to teach them that in the place of your vulnerability is your greatest authority? He's trying to shift their focus off of what they've known and who they think they are and shift it into a new paradigm, a new way of thinking. When you're, when you're weak, you're strong. Amen. He's teaching them these things. He's literally teaching these things. That we read scriptures, he's showing it to them. It's when he was sleeping that he had authority. You still with me? Yeah. I know I'm shooting a lot out this morning. For me personally, this is one of the reasons that I have such a high value for peace. Because I realize that it's hard to rest when I don't have peace. I also realize that peace is not the absence of issues in my life. It's the presence of a king. Peace is not the absence of problems or we would, none of us would ever have peace. There's always a problem looming somewhere. But peace is not the absence of issues, it's the presence of Him. Which is why I focus so hard on peace. I pray it constantly. I wake up in the morning and I pray peace. I lean into peace every Sunday morning. Matter of fact, I won't hardly go anywhere until when I pray, I just got to get all the stuff off. You know, when you come into prayer sometime and you're just like, oh. I, I, I will pray until it's all gone. And peace comes. I've also heard someone, I remember hearing, I don't remember who said it, but someone said one time, when you read the Psalms, read the Psalms until you feel like you're the one that's writing them. Because then you can see your breakthrough that's coming. You see, peace is huge in the kingdom because peace is part of rest. It's hard to be in a place of rest when anxiety is just going crazy. Oh, there's so much I could preach on with this. I feel like we get to the end of the year if we're not careful we get so like jacked up on let's go that we don't realize that actually our ability to go is completely rooted in our ability to rest and for many years Tiffany and I have actually and our family have started off the year resting just completely opposite of most people they're like January 1st let's do it I'm like January 1st let's sleep It, 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 it actually was really hard for us to do. We started going and vacationing at a, a cabin up in the mountains the first of every year because we really wanted to actually break the mold of having to do the first of the year and just resting. And then a guy like me, I'm a go, 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 go guy. And I'm like, rest, peace. And what happens, faith starts to be in your, he begins to speak to you and the faith starts to raise up. Because he's speaking to you. Why? Because you're in a place of rest. I'm going to bring this around for a landing here. 
I can have peace in the middle of my battles. I love that they did that song, um, Battles, whatever it is. You know that song. That song. Yeah, that, that one. It's about Jesus. <laughs> it's that one. It's a good one. <laughs> We're singing it. And I was... I was thinking about how often it is that we're surrounded, but we really don't realize what we're truly surrounded by. We're truly surrounded. Like if we could see, if we could just open our eyes and see in the spirit realm, like, like really, what would we think? I'm so worried. And then you open your eyes and you're like, I'm completely surrounded by him. That word is so powerful, Elizabeth. I don't know where she is, but yeah. I was so powerful this morning about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit hugging you and being surrounded by him. In the moment that we begin questioning the goodness of the Father is typically when we surrender our peace. When we begin questioning his goodness, we will surrender the peace. And that's hard. How do you handle those situations? How do you handle challenging times, the unknown, things that are beyond your understanding? It's a great question. I believe that that's where the testimony comes in. And I've preached on this, so I'm not going to hit it too much. Revelation 19.10 says that the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The best thing I can tell you to do in the times where things are not working out for you is to begin to testify of what he has done. I had a friend call me yesterday. He's probably going to watch this. And, and he's kind of whiny. <laughs> and he realized it later. Like, he wrote me back. He's like, I was just being a jerk, basically. He's telling me all these things going on and, and all these people that have tried to help. <laughs> I said, all right. Sounds like you've got enough advice. I said, why don't you go put on some worship music and get with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And, and I began to remind this person of all God's done in their life. I just kept drilling them like a machine gun. But 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 no no I'm like just hitting them, hitting them, hitting them. But it's so bad. And I'm and and then I get this text later, it's like Thank you for like basically shutting me up and making me just get in the presence. And then they wrote this whole thing of what the Lord showed them, and I was like, whoa, that's really good. Like really good. All about how fear operates and how the orphan spirit. I was like, man, I'm going to preach this. <laughs> Sometimes you have, to, you have to remind yourself. You have to remind yourself. We see it all the time. One of my favorite scriptures was when Judah was getting ready, when battle was getting ready to happen. And Jehoshaphat, he brings them all together. And everybody, I mean the parents and the kids... He brings all of them together and he begins to remind the Lord of what he has said about them. How many of you know the Lord had not forgotten what he had said about them? Jehoshaphat was releasing something in the atmosphere because he knew it was going to shift. What I saw happen on this stage this morning was I watched that worship team do something that I haven't seen them do too many times. 
I watched them shift into a gear where I watched like the praisers on the front of the army begin to go forth and say, we're going to go ahead of you with praise. And I felt something in the room this morning, like a little bit of a resistance. And then I watched the worship team basically say, we're going. We'll get in front of you and we'll go. And the moment they did that, I looked at them. I just got goosebumps. I looked at them and it was like, we're doing this. And I felt all of a sudden the breakthrough in the room. I felt the breakthrough in the room. When Jehoshaphat gathered the people and he said, this is what God said about us. It was not because God had forgotten. It was because he knew he had to remind them of what was said. Here's the thing. Sometimes God will give us a word but sometimes it takes faith being activated to see it through. Words from the Lord are often invitations. And we think, well, God spoke it. I can just sit back and what happens, happens. When he speaks that word, it needs to go in your spirit. And when it gets in your spirit, faith begins to come alive. And it's the faith that begins to operate that says, I'm going to see this through. When we're in worship sometimes, and I feel that resistance, I can feel it. And, I, and sometimes the worship team, I watch them, they rise up into a powerful place. And they're like, we're taking this thing where it needs to go. Sometimes what you need to do is realize that the stuff that's coming against you, all the kickback, all of the loss at times, sometimes you're, you're literally right at the corner of what God wants to do. I feel like some people are so close they can literally just take a step and look around and they're right there and they get to that point and the enemy sees how close you're getting. Oh, he's, he's not dumb. He sees how close you're getting. He sees how close this church is getting to all the things that the Lord has and he pushes and he pushes and he pushes and he pushes. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't like being pushed around. And I'm going to rise back up and I'm going to push back in. Because I realize that he has nothing on me. He can't stop what God has already put in motion. He can't stop it. And I speak that over your life this morning, over some of you. I release that over you guys that he cannot stop it. You're like, well, I've been waiting for so long. That's where Peter walked on water. Stop taking the mindset of, well, waiting means just blah. Things happen when you're waiting. Like Jesus went through a season of having to go into the wilderness and going through this waiting process where he faced, the devil knew his ministry was getting ready to kick off. And he challenged him and he challenged him and he didn't just challenge him to three things. He challenged him to four things. First thing he said, every single time, if you're the son of God, what had just happened when he was baptized? The father said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Do you not think that the devil didn't hear that? Well, if you're really the son of God, Jesus just, he didn't even respond to it. He didn't even fight back. He's like, that's a terrible attempt. He didn't even, it literally, he would say that and he didn't respond to it. I should say this. He didn't react. He did respond. 
Big difference. I feel like for some of you, you're in the waiting and God is getting ready to do some pretty amazing things for you. I feel like some of you have been in the waiting and you're getting ready around the corner. I feel a lot of different things in the room. (laughs) But you need to understand with Peter, when Peter got out of the boat and he was walking on the water, it wasn't the storm that was taking him under. It was when he took his eyes off Jesus that he started going under. It wasn't the storm, it wasn't the waves, it wasn't all that stuff. It was the moment that his faith began to get lowered that he started to go under. And I feel like God is calling us to stir up our faith. As we come into a new year, I, I just, I don't know about you guys, I've got so many things on my heart. I'm sure you do too. And sometimes... You look back and you're like, I felt the same way about the same thing at the end of 2018. Right? Anybody else? It's just me. I can tell by all your grins, like, yep. Stop looking at being in a place of limbo where no good can come out of it. And start realizing what he can do in the place of waiting. Maybe he wants to teach you you can walk on water first. He's so good. Amen. All right. Holy Spirit, I've shared this the best I know how. It's all yours now. I pray in this room over every heart. I pray over all the hearts in this place that have been disappointed. I have filled disappointment coming to the surface this morning. Sometimes when you stir things up, the residue comes up top. and It's easy to get it out then. And I feel disappointment coming up to the top. And I pray that, Lord, you would just so graciously remove that. Take that out of our, our reservoir. Remove that. I welcome the peace of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. I welcome your peace. I speak to anxiety, it has to leave. There's some of you that have been having anxiety attacks. And I feel like there is a very clearly a breakthrough for that this morning. It, it will not happen again. I'm believing for you. It's not going to happen again. If that's you, just receive that. It's not going to happen again. Because the King of Peace is here. The King of Peace is here. speak to those of you that feel like you're in the waiting some of you he wants to show you that you can walk on water that that, there's so much more in you than you know he's just trying to get you to look in his eyes though can I encourage you don't look at the problem look in his eyes Stop looking at the size of your problem. The devil loves for us to be impressed with what he does. 
and look at him. Look at him. Now, I speak to the plans that God has for everyone in this house and for this house. And I declare it's time. It's time. It's time. I feel like the Lord is saying, get ready for rapid, rapid momentum. Yes. Rapid momentum. Yeah. Stand up with me, would you? I feel like there's a breakthrough for our city. I feel like there's also been a lot of attack against our city. All different realms. Not going to focus on one. All different things have been attacking our city and, and the church at large in our city. But I see what the Lord has for our city. And it's different. It's unique. And it's never happened before. And it's time for some people that will rise up in faith. that just won't let go. They just won't let go of the plans that God has for this city. And so, Father, we do rise up in that and we declare that your plans will happen. Your, your plans and purposes will happen for our city, for this church, and for the people in this church. And I speak to those of you that have let faith, you have let fear in and you've let doubt in. I command that to leave right now in Jesus' name. It needs to go. And I speak to every generation. It doesn't matter if you're the youngest or the oldest in the room. I speak over you the plans and the purposes that the Lord has for you. And that nothing will stop you. Yes. Nothing will stop you. Amen. Nothing. And Father, I pray that we would be a people that we, like Peter, we know your voice. Yes. We can come into the midst of chaos. We can come into the midst of sometimes just things we don't understand. And we can simply say, Lord, I just need you to say one word. Amen. And I'll know it's you. One word. That we would know your voice. We would know the tone of your voice. We would know the character behind when you speak. We say, that's, that's him. 